Uh, we are starting a brand new series today for the month of October, and it is called Inside Out. And, uh, you know, in, in October, typically over the last few years, we have taken the month of October to have more of an outreach focus. It, it works out better to have, like, outdoor events in October because the weather's not, you know, where you don't want to be outside for more than 30 seconds. So uh, we've been doing our Halloween challenge for the last few years. A lot of you know what that is and have participated in it. Uh, we typically have a fall festival. Our kids' fall festival is in October. And, and uh, we also launch Operation Christmas Child, which you saw in the video, which there is a table out there today. We're doing that again this year. And we're going to continue to do outreaches this month, as you saw in our announcements. Uh, but in addition to that this month, we're going to take Sundays to cast vision of what it looks like to live a lifestyle of outreach, a lifestyle of evangelism, a lifestyle of, of understanding and knowing that I believe you guys know, like I do, that, that God has created us for more of a purpose than to just get through the day or the week or the month and try to just live life and stay out of trouble, right? We are destined to have a kingdom purpose. Every single one of us, we have a kingdom purpose in our life. God has, has equipped us and called us to make a difference and make an impact for his kingdom, not just our kingdom. Amen? And so we're going we're gonna to spend this month talking about that because we believe that the church is, the, the two biggest purposes of the church, which are in our mission statement, are to reach those people far from God, to reach people that would not say that they are Christians, and then to help people uh, get to their next step in a God-first life. That is about discipleship. If you look at the, the job or the vision or the call of the church, almost all of it should fall under those two things. We're either reaching people or we're discipling people. And how we reach people is, is different. You know, reaching somebody could just be sharing the love of Jesus with them in a practical way. It could be preaching the gospel to them. But we are all called to live in such a way uh, that we would help to advance the kingdom of God. And so this October, this is not just a token month that we're going to say, ah, we're going to throw an outreach, uh, you know, a token outreach month to everybody so they know that we care about other people too. This is, this is a lifestyle that we're going to live. We're going to be constantly talking about this because it really is the mission of our church. In fact, um, about, I think it was about 15, 16 years ago, uh, Pastor Bowen felt like the Lord was leading him to kind of shift the focus of New Hope. If you were here then, you would remember it because we went from being more of a program-driven church to an outward-focused church where we wanted to make an impact in our community, not just try to have a really great church. And uh, if you were here, you might remember he had a picture of the church with the roof actually blown off of it and light coming out of it. And uh, we don't have that picture anymore, but we created a new one that I'm going to have put up on the screen now that shows, that's, that's an outline of New Hope there. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to be. Amen. That is what the church is called to be. We're called to be a place where the light comes out of this place and goes and affects our community. And we're not just going to do it in October for the glory of God. We're going to do it every week and every month, all year long, 24-7. As, as, as long as I'm helping to lead this church, that's, that's what we're going to do because that's who we are and that's who we need to be. So uh, we have a theme verse for this whole month. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I read this, this theme verse. We're going to be sharing it each week this month. It is out of Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4. These are the words of Paul to the church of Philippi. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's going to be our verse for the month. To that, that, goes against, that goes against a lot of, of what we have to do in our life, doesn't it? To actually make it a lifestyle of considering others better than yourselves and to not just look out for your own interests. He doesn't say don't look out for your own interests. It's okay to look out for ourselves too. But to also look out for the interests of others. 
That is God's call for each and every one of us. And I wrestled with this verse, but also the verse in Matthew 22 where Jesus gives us the greatest commandment. He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second one is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's, a, that's kind of my co-theme verse for the month, okay? But um, we're going we're gonna to really dive into this and break it down and see what it looks like to live a life where we are living from the inside out, okay? Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we love you today. Thank you for every person in this house today and everybody watching online and everybody that's going to watch this later. Lord, we ask that you'd bless them, that you'd speak to our hearts, that our hearts would be good soil. Lord, let your word penetrate our heart for your glory. Father, we, we just lay down everything right now that may, we may have brought in with us today, anything that's holding us back today, and we're going to give you everything for these next few minutes, God. And we pray that you would do your work in our hearts and that you would seal it by your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Look to somebody as you're seated and say, live inside out. And if you don't have anybody beside you, say it to yourself. So if we're going to be an outward focused church, and again, if this isn't even part of your church, maybe you're visiting from out of town today, we're still called to live outward focused, right? We have to be intentional in our life. I believe that most of us, if, you are, if, you would, if you're here today and you'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus, most of us would say, yeah, I want to be outward focused. That, that verse from Philippians, that, that resonates with me. I understand that, God, that that's God's heart, that he wants us to be able to, to um, minister to the needs of others as well. And maybe you do that some, but, but the, the idea of living it as a lifestyle, making it a consistent part in your life, um, almost seems like it's, a, it's not even feasible right now because of everything that's going on in life. You know, we... We live a very, very busy, fast-paced life right now, don't we? It's incredibly busy. And, and I, know there's, I know some of you, or all of you probably in this room could say, could remember a day where you got up in the morning and you started thinking about everything you had to do that day and your heart started racing because you started thinking, oh my goodness, I got a lot of stuff I got to get done today. And you think to yourself, if everything goes exactly the way it's supposed to, I'll probably be able to do it. But if it doesn't, I'm in trouble. If a meeting goes long or I get in a traffic jam on the highway going from one place to the other or if my kid calls and says they forgot their lunch and I got to run and take them lunch or something like that, I'm going to be in trouble. And, and you've had those days where everything went okay and you got through it and you had those days where something came off the rails and it was a struggle. And you, we know how we respond in those moments when, when, when we're so busy and we're, so, we're having so much filling our plate that uh, we can't actually have time for anything else. It affects us in ways that we don't like. And, and I pray that you don't have a lot of days like that, but I know that many of us live, a, live our life that way emotionally, where we feel like we've got so much going on in our life that it's very hard to even think about living outward focused. Or maybe you just feel ill-equipped and underqualified to really live outward focused. You know, like, I, I don't know that I have anything to give. You know, I'm not gifted, or I don't, I don't know how to even talk to somebody about Jesus, or I just don't even know how to... I'm just, I'm just ill-equipped. And I would say today that that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because every one of us, God has given every one of us unique giftings to be able to minister to people in your life the way that God would want you to. It doesn't have to look like everybody else. It doesn't have to look like the evangelist down the road or uh, in a different ministry or a preacher or a teacher. It doesn't have to look like that. It can look like many different ways. But we are all gifted and qualified to be able to share the love of God and to help build his kingdom in our life and in the lives of those that God would put in our life. Or maybe you feel like the need is so great that it's hard to even know what you can do. You know, if you, if you, if you don't live in a cave right now, 
you know that it feels like our society is in this downward spiral away from God, right? We, they, we live in what everybody's calling now a post-Christian culture. It used to be that everybody just went to church because that's just what you did. Now, a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, people that don't affiliate themselves with any religion. That number has exploded over the last 20 years. And we're seeing that. And so the need, if you're somebody that does love Jesus and you're connected to the body, you can feel like the need is so great, it's hard to even know what to do. But, you know, we don't have to always be doing huge things. We can do little things that can make big impacts in people's lives. You know, we, you may not change the world, but you can change somebody's world. Right? I mean, I, I shared this last week, uh, but I just, just recently I've just been asking God to help me to make an impact in somebody's life every day. I just want to do something just even small or great that I can make an impact in somebody's life. And you'd be amazed when you pray something like that, how God puts people in your life or puts opportunities in front of you or opens your eyes to opportunities that are out there. I shared last week, I just picked up a guy that was walking down the road with a gas can. I picked him up and took him to his car where he'd ran out of gas. Something very simple. When he got out of my car, I said, God bless you. And he was really excited. I impacted that guy's life for the glory of God. You know, I didn't have to preach the gospel to him. The other day, somebody was having to take their golf, their uh, shopping cart. They took it out to their car and they unloaded it and they were gonna have to walk a good little ways to put their shopping cart back. And I happened to be walking by. I just said, I got it, I'll take it. And the lady smiled real big and she was like, wow, thanks. And I took it and I said, God bless you. I walked away. I made an impact in her life. That's, that is being outward focused. Just a very, it, was, it wasn't, even, wasn't even really inconvenient for me, but I was able to make an impact in her life. But I think the biggest thing that probably keeps us from really being outward focused in our life, and this is the crux of my message today, is that too many of us do not live with margin in our life. The title of my sermon today is actually Living with Margin. And it's probably the biggest thing that keeps us from really adhering to the words of Paul in Philippians 2, of considering others' needs and and, and being intentional about helping other people in our life is because we don't have margin. Margin is, um, I, I've heard it defined a couple different ways. It's basically the difference between what your capacity is and what you have on your plate. You know, if you've got a big plate there, whatever's on your plate, the room you have left on your plate, that's margin. You know, how much, how much space you have left after you deal with the things that you're responsible for. I think the best explanation would be talking about financial margin. You know, if your expenses every week are $600 and your income every week is $800, you have how much margin, youth? $200. Look at those guys nailing it. That's a, that's a compliment to our educational system right there. You have $200 of margin. That's extra that you have beyond what you have to have to be able to use for something else, right? But it also works with us with time, having margin in our time. How many of us feel like we have enough free time a day to even be outward focused? right? Or um, emotional margin. That's something that's pretty big, isn't it? Having, having a place where every little thing that happens doesn't set you off the rails because you just don't have enough emotional or, or brain space to be able to deal with things that don't necessarily go our way, you know? But God has called us. God wants us to live with margin in our life. In fact, um, I have a verse that, uh, that I want to share with you. Well, I'm going to share in a few minutes because I've got a couple of things I want to say before that, but I believe that we are meant to live with margin. And when you think about certain jobs out there like surgeons and airline pilots and air traffic controllers, those, those jobs do not have much margin for error, right? If they, if they get outside of their margin of error, they could hurt people or even kill people, right? And that's okay because that's their job and that's, they signed up for that. But too many of us live our life that way too where we don't have margin for error to where if something doesn't go the way it's supposed to go that we can get off the rails. Hopefully the ramifications for us aren't like they would be for a surgeon or an airline pilot, but it, it, it does, it can negatively affect our life in a powerful way. 
if we don't actually have margin. And God wants us to have margin. He's designed us to be able to have margin. And you would say, well, why do we need it? And I, I would say, well, I don't even think I have to really answer that question a whole lot because no, you know what it's like to live without margin. You may be living without it right now, and you know that it's not fun. It is not fun to have every moment of the day accounted for and to have every area of your brain and your ability to think accounted for and to not be able to go to those places where you could even consider other people's needs in your life. Now, I'm not talking about considering those that are closest to you, your family, of course, those, that's a given, we have to do that, but I'm talking about going above and beyond and, and helping to meet needs of people that might be outside of our immediate little circle. For some of us, we think, man, there's just no way I can even get there right now. And, and I actually understand that. And I, I'm not going to fix our lives in a 40-minute sermon, right? But I can give us principles that can help us to make good decisions, excuse me, so that we can get on that path to where we can have margin in our life. Because we have a, we have a, a standard that we can understand as followers of Jesus in the Word of God that there's, there's principles in here that can help us to have margin, even in this crazy, fast-paced society rat race that we live in right now. Do you guys believe that? Well, I want to give you some principles straight out of the Word of God that I, that I think, man, when I was studying it this week, it, it jumped out at me, and I was just, I actually got, had one of those moments where I got really excited. Like, oh, that is so good. And it actually really ministered to me. So if it doesn't do anything for you, it helped me. So praise God, right? Um, so let me give you the verse. And we're going we're gonna to jump off of that today for the rest of my message. It's out of Ephesians 5, and verses 15 to 17. These are, these are Paul's words again to the church in Ephesus. And I highlighted the four uh, principles that he gives us here that we can use to get margin in our life. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. That's a great verse. And I, and I want to break it down because I believe it gives us some really great principles to live in with margin. And the first one is to be very careful. He says, be very careful. In other words, be intelligent. Okay? Man, this is something that we have to be so careful because in our life, there's so many things demanding our time, our attention, our energy, our money, our emotions, there's so many things that it's difficult sometimes to be intentional. We can just be led by the urgent things in our life, right? But Paul says, be very careful, be intentional here. You know what? Uh, we have two kids that are driving now, and every time they leave the house, we tell them, be careful. Please be careful. In other words, we're saying, be intentional as you go out. Be intentional while you're driving. Don't pick up your cell phone and text. Don't play with the radio while you're, don't, don't get caught looking at other things. Pay attention, be intentional as you're driving. Why do we do that? Because there are things out there that can distract. There are things out there that can detour. And those things can be harmful in our life, right? It's the same thing Paul's saying here. He's saying, be careful. Be intentional. Don't get distracted. You have to be deliberate in your life. If you really want to be able to have margin in your life, you're going to have to make a decision that I'm going to work towards it. And I'm going to make decisions that are going to help me to have margin. We have to be careful. Because here's the thing. Margin won't just happen in our life right? Just if I say, you know what? Yeah, I just need to have some margin in my life. Well, nothing's going to change any more so than if I said, man, I just need to start saving more money. It, my savings account won't automatically just start growing, right? It'd be great if it did. But what we have to do is say, I'm going to be intentional. And I'm going to put a little bit of money aside every week. And then that thing's going to grow, right? And I'm not going to spend it. I'm not going to touch it. 
I'm going to leave it there and it's going to grow. But it's only if we are intentional, if we make decisions to make that grow. It's the same way with margin. We have to be intentional if we want to have margin in our life. Because so many times we make decisions based on the things that are urgent and we actually sabotage ourselves. We sabotage our ability to have margin in life because we're not being intentional, because we're not thinking ahead. We're having decisions that are, that are coming in front of us and in a moment's notice we have to make a decision and oftentimes those decisions are made not really thinking about whether or not we have margin for it, but whether or not it's going to appease the moment or if it's gonna do what I needed to do in that moment, right? So we can't be sabotaging having margin in our life by the decisions we make. We have to be intentional. In this chapter in Ephesians 5, just a few verses earlier in verse 8, Paul talks about, uh, about darkness and light. In fact, I want to read the verse. It says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Live as children of light. You know, before we knew Jesus... Before you met Jesus, you had an excuse to not really be intentional about being outward focused in your life and having margin in your life. You had an excuse because you know what? When you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, the focus of life is me getting mine and taking care of mine and getting through my life, right? It's a dog eat dog world. You gotta, you gotta take care of number one, right? You gotta, and and that's, that's the world's mantra and that's, that's what they do. And that's okay because that's all they know. But once you become a child of the light, once you've given your life to Jesus, everything changes. You get a different perspective in life. So we don't have excuse anymore. We, we can't, as, as followers of Jesus, we need to look different than the world. Because us looking different than the world is what's going to draw the world to Jesus. So too oftentimes I feel like we as the church look too much like the world. We should be people that do have margin so that we can be outward focused, so that we can do those things that show people that we love them that makes them go, whoa, wow, you, you did that for me for nothing? Just because you are a Christian and you say you, and you care about me? But to do those simple things, we can't do them if we don't have margin in our life. And before we were children of the light, we had an excuse because we just did what everybody else did. But now we are children of the light, so God expects us to live as children of the light, children that follow a different standard, children that don't look to the news media or social media or society for our standard in life, we look somewhere else. We look to this. And the, the Bible is very clear. It tells us that we are called to live not just for ourselves. We're, lit, we're here to impact other people's lives for the glory of God and to build his kingdom in our life. Hallelujah. Man, that's exciting. And here's the thing. When we give our lives to Jesus, that's exactly what we do. We give him our life. You know, salvation isn't just, hey, Jesus, I need a ticket to heaven. Salvation is giving your life to him. Your life is no longer your own. Jesus talks about counting the cost of being a disciple. It means taking up your cross and following him. It means we don't get to just do whatever we want. And as long as we keep our nose clean and mind our own business, that we're okay. Jesus says, I don't want you to keep your nose clean and mind your own business. I want you to impact the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. Amen. That's what we're called to do. Our faith is meant to be all consuming. It's meant to impact every area of our life. It's not just on Sunday mornings. Our faith should impact what we do at work. It should impact what we do during meals. It should impact what we do on our free time. It should impact what we do when we watch TV, when we're on our computer, when we're on our phone. Our faith impacts every aspect of our life. It has to, because that's what our faith is. This isn't some thing we bring along with us on our ride. It's, it takes over our life. 
if we're doing it according to the Word of God. So we are without excuse anymore because we are children of the light. So, so Paul says, be careful. Be very, very careful. We have to be intentional. All right, so the second one is make the most of every opportunity. That's what Paul says in that verse. In other words, slow down. Can I just give you permission today to slow down? Not just on the road. Some of you need to slow down on the road too, but I just, I want to give you permission today to slow down. In fact, look to your neighbor and say, it's okay to slow down. <laughs> Some of you want to look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to speed up too. <laughs> but most of us don't have that issue. Most of us need to slow down. It is next to impossible to be outward focused in our life, to live inside out if we don't have margin here. If we are so fast paced and we are, we are so about getting things done so we can get to the next thing and to the next thing and the next thing, life just becomes a series of tasks, right? And God, that's not God's plan for us. That's not his best plan for us that we would just be all about getting in the rat race and not being willing to really sit back and slow down. And I can be guilty of this myself. I'm somewhat task-oriented, and I can get to where I'm just loving to cross things off my list so I can get to the next thing, so I can cross that off, so I can get to the next thing. And, and there's, a, there's an aspect of that where it's okay, but it can't be the thing that consumes us. There has to be moments where we can slow down. Because I can tell you from experience, for me, I get task-driven like that, and I can take that home with me when my kids come in the room and want to talk to me, and I just want to deal with their issues so they'll just go away so I can get to my next thing. And that is no way to live. When your kids just need FaceTime, they just need you being with them, just showing them that you love them and spending time with them. But we can't have margin in our life if we don't slow down. Have you ever heard that, oh, there's just not enough hours in the day? Just not enough time in the day. Man, I mean, I've said it myself. We've all said it. But then I think about it. What if God said, okay, I'll give you 25 hours? Do we really think that it would create margin in our life? No chance. All it would do is give us an extra hour to do whatever it is we were doing before. I got an extra hour of social media. woohoo! Or maybe an extra hour of sleep at night. Amen to that, huh? But to actually give us margin, it's not about the fact that we don't have enough time. We have enough time. It's about just being willing to slow down and not be so busy in our life. You know, the money people will tell you, if you want to get into the, the money market, you want to make money, you want to have a product to sell, the gurus will tell you the thing you need to look at, if you're going to create something to sell, you need to figure out something that will save people time. If you can find a product that people can use that will save them time, it will sell and you'll be a millionaire. Happens all the time. And you think about it, that's exactly what drives, commercially, what drives the market right now, isn't it? Everything you see, you want it, it's all about saving you more time, being more convenient and saving more time. Remember the, a few years ago, the thought of having... Uh, food delivery services that bring food to your door was, was not even thought of. And now you have Grubhub, you have Uber Eats, you have Waiter. I mean, there's just countless amounts. It is a multi-billion dollar industry today because it saves people time. People are like, wait a minute. I don't even have to go get the food. You'll bring it to me for a few bucks? Oh, yeah. I'm in. But, and yet, and we have all these things that save us so much time. Remember when the internet, some of, you, some of you youth aren't going to remember this, but remember when the internet, you actually had to dial up? Remember that? On AOL, and it was, and you were so excited when it said connected, right? 
the kids are looking at us like, what are you talking about? This guy's this guy's having a stroke up there on the stage. I remember the day we got cable internet and the, the cable guy literally told me, I said, so how do I connect to the internet? He's like, no, no, it's always there. All you have to do is click on the, the button and it's there. And I was like, what? You know how much time I'm going to save? I haven't saved any time. Because all you do is you just stay on the internet longer. <laughs> we have more things in our society today to save us time than in the history of the universe. Yet we have less free time than we've ever had in the history of the universe. Now do that math. It doesn't work. Because it's not about having things that save us time. It's about being willing to slow down. And I think the best, one of the best passages in all the Bible that, that encourages us in this and is hardest probably for us as Americans to really digest and meditate on and, and let it sink into our system and, and give us revelation is the story of Jesus going to the house of Mary and Martha. So that, you know, these two sisters, he went to their house and he's in their house and Mary's sitting at his feet while he's talking. She's just, you know, she's just looking up at him like, you know, loving it that Jesus is in their house. And Martha's doing the things that culturally you're supposed to do. When you have a guest in your home, you're supposed to be hospitable. You're supposed to do all these things, prepare a meal and do whatever it is that she was doing. And, and she's running around doing all these things, trying to impress Jesus and do everything that needed to be done culturally. And she finally gets frustrated because Mary's just sitting at his feet. And she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, would you tell my sister to help me? Can't you see that she is sitting here doing nothing and I'm doing everything? And I love Jesus' response. And this is very difficult in our culture today for us to even begin to comprehend. It's in Luke 10, 41 to 42. He says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. That is a difficult verse for us today, isn't it? To think that Jesus would say, Martha, you don't need to worry about all this. Martha was doing what was culturally right. They were required, it was expected that you would do certain things when Jesus comes into your home. And Jesus is saying, you're wasting your time, girl. Mary's doing what's right. Sitting at my feet, that's the thing to do. She, he was saying, slow down. You're not... I don't want you to do for me before you just be at my feet. You know, Psalm 46.10 tells us to be still and know that I am God. That is God giving us permission, church, to slow down. That's him giving us permission to slow down, to be able to sit at his feet. You know how we sit at his feet today? In his word. This is how we sit at his feet. Is when we... we digest this we take this in and let it become part of us jesus is saying this is what is good and it will not be taken from you don't worry about all the other stuff it doesn't mean we don't get up and do the things that we have to do but jesus is saying and it, the thing we learn from this passage is have some perspective have some perspective slow down because what's the first thing to go when we're really stressed out right it's the first thing to go in our life and that's why it's so important that we guard our time. This is something that we're, we're hesitant to do but, uh, oftentimes in our own lives. We guard our money, we guard our house, we guard our possessions, but we don't guard our time. And God will tell us that we have to guard our time. We have to, we have to be jealous of our time and be careful with it. I, I know I am. Because let me tell you when, you, when you're on staff at a church and now pastoring the church, 
it, it can consume everything if you allow it. And so Joy and I sat down before we even made this transition and we said, this is what we're going to do. These are the things we're going to do. And I have, I have one day a week that I don't go into the church. I don't do anything church related. It's, it's my time to be with her and with my family. And in the evenings, uh, for the most part, I'm home. I guard those things. There's a certain day of the week that I guard my day here and I don't take meetings because I know I need to be studying, getting ready for Sunday. And so we have to guard those things. And what that does is it gives us margin in life. So when something comes up, have to go to a funeral or go to the hospital or something, I have some margin there to be able to do it. But it's because I guard my time. We have to be willing to guard our time in our lives. It is okay to say no sometimes. When there's things that are coming at you, taking your margin, it is okay to say no. In fact, everybody repeat after me. No. See, it's not that hard. It's really easy. You just need to be able to say that to somebody else that's wanting. I'm not saying we say, you know, we're not selfish, but we know when there's things that, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this, but it's, a, it's you know, I need to go because it's a thing and I got to show my face. And, you know, we've all done things like that. But we, it's got to be okay for us to say no. And the attitude of I'll slow down when I retire and all the retirees in the house started laughing uncontrollably because they realized that uh, there's no such thing if you're not intentional, right? I had a guy come up to me not too long ago and said, that's retired recently, and he said, I don't know how, how I ever had time to work because <laughs> I'm so busy now, right? It's a fallacy to think that, oh, if I can just get to this certain space in life, then I'll be able to slow down. It's not the case. We have to be willing to slow down now and make decisions that will help us to slow down in our life. All right, the third one. He says, don't be foolish. In other words, learn to be content in life. Contentment. I, I touched on this last week too. But you know, everything in our life works against us being content. Everything in our society works against us being content in life. The only thing in life that's going to help you to be content or the only person is the Holy Spirit in you. He's the only one that, because the spirit in this world, the, your enemy, he wants you to not be content. He wants you to always think, I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. That's ex you're playing right into the enemy's hands because contentment will breed margin in your life, which will help you to be outward focused. But you cannot be outward focused if you're not content because you're too consumed with what you want. What you want, I, I need just a little bit more and then I'll be happy, right? In fact, look at the writer of Ecclesiastes in verse, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, maybe so, but it is better to have only a little with peace of mind, that's contentment, than be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. That's a powerful word. If we can get that in our heart, if we can get that in our spirit, it'll change our life. Do we really believe it? Do we believe that it's better to have a little with contentment than to be busy all the time with both hands our society would say no we don't but again we don't we're not supposed to look like society we have to stop as a church as followers of Jesus we have to stop allowing our culture to tell us what's important in life we have to stop stop being fed by all of the marketing that's out there the world doesn't get to tell us what's important God gets to tell us what's important and if only it was as easy as it sounds on Sunday mornings you know, in fact, the drive 
to not be content and to always want more is so strong that when you actually see somebody, and you might know somebody like this, that actually has some, uh, like, uh, something that's not as nice and you know they could afford more, something nicer, you almost look at them like, what's wrong with that person? Like if they have a house that's older and very modest and you know they could afford a nicer house in a nicer area and they don't do it, you think, something must be up. They must have some debt somewhere that I don't know about. Or if they have a, they're driving a 20-year-old car that runs just fine, but it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of a 2020 car, and you think, why aren't they getting a new car? What's wrong with them? You know, their credit must be shot. You know, we just assume something's wrong. I, I know, I, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but, you know, my phone has become this whole thing with my family and even some of the staff around us that I have an uh, iPhone 6S, which now is just an old relic, you know. Well, now it's become a whole thing where I'm determined I'm going to have it as long as I could possibly have it. I haven't done the update in like two years because I know as soon as I do, it's just going to go up in a puff of smoke, you know. <laughs> but it works totally fine. You know, in fact, not too long ago, I went to the store with my daughter to get her new phone activated, and I had to pull my phone out to do something on it, and the woman working there looked at my phone and went, and she looked at our account and said, sir, you know you're eligible for an upgrade. And I said, yes, but there's nothing wrong with this. And she just kind of rolled her eyes like, mm, something's wrong with that guy. He must have some major debt. <laughs> and, uh, but that's our society now, right? But we cannot let society drive our contentment, our discontentment. It takes a revelation of the Spirit of God to help us to be content. If we really want to have margin, though, we've got to figure that out. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 7. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Oh, what a great revelation that Paul had. L listen to this, church. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. It is actually a sign of maturity to be content with less than what you could actually have. It's a sign of maturity. So those people that are content with the 6S, they're more mature than you. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But it, it is a level of gain, Paul says, if we are content. It's a level of godliness when we are content because we brought nothing into this world and we're not going to take anything with us. You're going to leave. What was it Pastor Bowen said? Somebody was asked, I think it was Rockefeller, was asked like um, something about uh, how much are you going to leave behind when you die? And they said, all of it. You know, there's nothing you're going to take with you. You're going to leave it for somebody else. We have to get this into our heart. But contentment will only grow as we grow in the Word of God. In our relationship with Jesus is the only way contentment will grow in our life. In fact, I would go as far as to say discontentment rises in our life as the Word of God falls. You want to be content in life? Don't just pray for God to make you content. Get the Word in you. Because as the Word of God rises in our life and takes more place in our life, discontentment falls. And we can become content in our life. Amen. Mm. So we have to ask ourselves, where do I find my worth? If we really want to be content, we have to find out where our worth is. Because when we confuse our work with our worth, what we do is we end up chasing the wind. We end up living our life to achieve, to approve ourselves, and to gain respect. I, need to, I want to be respected. Let me tell you, that's just a cozy way of saying, I want people to think a lot of me. I want people to like me. I want people to look at me and, and be jealous of, how, of what I am or what I have. 
Respect, living your life to gain respect is a very empty proposition. It's an empty lifestyle to live. Some of the highest achievers in life that, that just want respect, they are some of the most insecure people in all the world. Because they haven't found their worth and where they're supposed to find it, they find it in what we do. Jesus was perfect and they crucified him. So life is not about trying to just get respect. Jesus didn't live his life trying to get respect. I didn't go into the ministry to try to gain respect. I went into ministry because I believe that I have an understanding of how, how, who I am and how God sees me, and I want to communicate that with others, that who you are in God's sight. It's not about trying to get respect. It's not about trying to achieve. Now, do we respect can be a good thing because it does give us influence in life, but that can't be what drives us. Achieving cannot be what drives us. It's good to achieve things, but that can't be where we find our worth in our life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Wonderful, wonderful promise from our God. And you know what? It's a myth to say that the more I do, the better I am. It's a myth. It's not about how much we do. We're not human doings. We're human beings. And Mary was commended for sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha was rebuked. That's something we got to remember, especially as Americans. All right, the fourth and finally, understand the Lord's will, Paul says in that verse. In other words, first things first. And this one here trumps all the other three. If we get this one, we can do the other three. If we don't get this one, we'll never do the other three. You know, I preached on the will of God not too long ago, and I feel so passionate that the Lord has given me such incredible revelation about the will of God for my own life. And I love to share it with others because, frankly, the will of God for each and every one of us, first and foremost, is to keep him first and foremost in our life and to trust him, to live a life of trusting Jesus when we know what we're supposed to do and when we don't know what we're supposed to do. When things make sense and when things don't make sense, the will of God for us is to trust him. It is to put him first and to trust him. And when things go bad, we don't trust him less, we trust him more. The less understanding you have, the more you trust him. Too many people have run away from the faith because they don't understand, so they don't trust him anymore. And that's exactly what the enemy wants for our life. There's still lots and lots of things in life, out in the world and in my own life, that I don't always understand. It doesn't keep, cause me to trust him less. It causes me to trust him more. The less I know, the more i got to trust. But we, too often times we do the exact opposite of that. And you may ask, well, what does this have to do with margin? Well, this has everything to do with margin. If we don't put him first, we won't have margin in life because we will always be going after the urgent. We'll always be doing the other things that I mentioned previously in this message. But if we do put him first, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give us discernment. He's going to give us authority. He's going to give us supernatural ability. He's going to, he's going to get us in a state of mind, in a place where we will be able to have margin in our life because those things that would keep us from having margin, we'll be able to resist them. He'll protect us from them. We'll have enough wisdom to be able to say no when we need to, and we'll be able to have, be intentional to where we can have margin in our life. But it comes from a place of him being in first place in our life. Frankly, if the foundation of the house is good, the house is good, Right? I built houses long enough to know if the foundation is no good, it doesn't matter how you dress it up, the house is not going to be good. I mean, the foundation has to be right. And the foundation is putting him first in our life. Jesus shared the greatest sermon ever, ever shared 
It's, it's, it's um, registered in Matthew 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about the, the things we go after, the things we have to have, that we worry about things, like what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat. And he says, don't worry about those things because your Heavenly Father knows you need them. And then he says one of the most profound things in all the Bible in Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Man, if it was only as easy as it is simple, right? It's a very simple concept. I mean, no, no one can read that and not understand that. I get it. Jesus, you want to be first? I get that. But to actually live that out Monday through Saturday, it's not easy. One of the reasons it's not easy is because we can't always feel God, right? Can't always feel God. But you know what we do always feel? The stress. We always feel those things that are killing our margin. We always feel those things that are demanding our time and our emotion and our money and our, our brain space. Those are always being felt. So we're going to, usually we're going to run towards those because those are the things we really need to deal with. You know, when we're super stressed out and super anxious and have so much going on and we're so busy, what's the first thing to go usually? Time with Jesus, right? That's the first thing to go. Because, you know, God understands, i got to get this stuff done. When we hit the floor running in the morning and run, run, run until we plop back in bed at night, we're missing it. We're not putting God first in our life. Meditating on the Word of God and sitting at His feet is so important. And you can't have Him first in your life if you're not doing that. And here's the deal, church. We have to remember how much we need Jesus. See, I think for us, we are such a blessed nation, and sometimes that can work against us, of really understanding and remembering our great, incredible, desperate need for Jesus. Because we can focus on the stress and the things that are demanding our time and, and do those things and, and get through life and still, yeah, Jesus, I love you, but not necessarily put him first in our life. We could get through life that way, and you know what? He's going to let you into heaven quote unquote. It's so easy to neglect the fact or neglect the idea or the understanding of how much we desperately need him. And so in, in, in consequence, we put him kind of on the back burner sometimes. But let me read a verse to you that will remind us today how much we need him. It's in Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 2. It says, as for you, that's us, you were dead. Everyone say dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. That's the enemy. He's saying you were dead in your transgressions. This is who we were before we met Jesus. And if you're here today and you would say, I'm not a Christian, I haven't met Jesus, I haven't allowed him to have control over my life, then this is what the Bible is telling us, that before we know Jesus, we are literally dead in our transgressions. Okay, We have to remember that. And, and the only thing that's wanting to keep us alive and bring us into life is the Holy Spirit of God in us. Everything, everything from our life and our flesh and the enemy of your soul is trying to drive you back to that place of death. Everything. He's the only one breathing life into us. We need to remember and understand that we are not sick in need of a doctor. We are dead in need of a Savior. And he's our only chance. He is our only hope. 
And if we will seek him first and his kingdom first and his righteousness first and give him first place in our life, no matter how busy and crazy life gets sometimes, we can trust that he's going to help us with the rest. He's going to help us with the rest. It doesn't mean everything else is just going to fall into our lap. I don't have to go to work because I'm reading my Bible today and God's going to take care of everything. That's not what Jesus is saying there. But he is saying, I want first place. And I tell you what, church, he deserves first place. He deserves it. It, it, he, he gave his life for us, and all he's asked us in return is to give him first place in ours. And that we would trust him. Because it does tell you, it speaks to your own heart, lets you know if you really do trust him, if you're giving him first place, when times are tough. When life is stressful. Because everything in this world wants to take us to death. Everything, even your own flesh, the things you think you want to do to make your life better and easier, it's actually killing you. The only thing breathing life into you is the Spirit of God that lives in you. And I love the next couple of verses in that same passage because he gives us the solution. He tells us that we were dead in our transgressions. But then in verses 4 and 5, look what he says. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Beautiful. Beautiful. We don't stay in our death. We don't stay dead in our transgressions because of his great love for us. He is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Man, to think that God is rich in mercy, it's, it's the only chance we have is the fact that he is merciful and the fact that he has grace for us. His grace is sufficient for us, but he asks for first place. That's God's will for your life. Paul says here, know God's will for you. His will is that you would give him first place. And that's the only way we're ever going to get to a place in our life where we can have margin. True margin that's going to give us what we need to be able to be outward focused, to live inside out. You know, we played that, we sang that song today in worship, that throwback song. It feels like it was 100 years ago. I think it said 2005. Beautiful song about being, living inside out. That, that's God's heart for us. That we wouldn't just be focused on ourselves, but we'd be able to live a life that affects other people that God would put in our life for his glory and for his kingdom. Amen? Would you stand with me as I close today? I want to pray for us. And I just want to ask you to respond today by lifting your hands or bowing your head, I think it's important that we respond to the word of God, amen? And I believe God's here and I believe he's doing work in our hearts even now. And I just wanna pray that God would help us to live out these principles, to live with margin so that we can be outward focused. We don't have excuse anymore, church. We are children of the light. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus today, you are a child of the light. And if you wouldn't say that I'm a follower of Jesus today, I would encourage you today, don't leave this place without giving him your heart. You don't, need, you don't have to come to an altar to do it. You can do it at your seat. It's just about saying, God, I know that I need a savior. I am dead in my sins, but I know that I can have life in you. Would you come into my life? I give you my life. And if you are somebody that says, yeah, I love Jesus, but man, I don't have any margin. I haven't even been able to live outward focused for a long time. I throw, I throw a bone here or there to try to make myself feel good, but not really making it a lifestyle. Let's make a commitment today 
I'm not saying it's all going to, everything in your life is just going to fizzle out and you're going to be able to have all this margin right away, but we can make steps, we can make decisions that will take us to a place where we can have margin in our life. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we love you today. You are a good God. I thank you that, God, that you are so rich in mercy, that you love us so, so much. Lord, we can bask in that love today. You're not angry with us. When we fall short, even what we're talking about today, when we fall short, your mercy is so great. It's there for all of us. Your mercies are new every single morning. And I don't think I'm doing violence to the scripture to say your mercies are new every minute. We thank you, Lord. We need your mercy every minute of every day. And God, we want to be children of the light as you have called us to be, that we would not live our lives just for ourselves and building our kingdom, but we would live a life that it would affect those that you would bring into our life for your kingdom, for your glory, God. We are your hands and feet, Lord. Would you anoint our hands and feet to be your hands and feet today in Jesus' name. Lord, would you help us to be intentional? Help us, Lord, to slow down. Help us, Lord, to be content and help us to put first things first in our lives today, Lord. Would you do that work in our hearts? I believe you're doing it right now. And God, we pray this today that you would seal this work in our heart. Lord, that as we get out to the parking lot today, the enemy would not be able to pluck this seed out of our heart, but it would germinate and it would produce fruit in our lives. That we would meditate on your word. That we would meditate on who you are. And Lord, that we would look different than the world so as to draw people unto you. God, help us not to get our standards and help us not to get our lifestyle from the world, but we will get it from you. Lord, we want to live with margin. Help us today to live with margin, God, for your glory. Help us to be intentional, to make good decisions. Holy Spirit, guide us, direct us, lead us, give us discernment and wisdom that we so desperately need for your glory, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can we give God praise today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.